Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. And we're continuing on our theme this week. We found a theme. We've happened upon it. Our theme is independent creators on YouTube that are doing valuable journalism or investigations. And I believe today we're discussing the guy that I would consider to be um, the face of that. And his name is Andrew Callahan, and his channel is called Channel 5. Now, on Monday, we discussed CoffeeZilla. And CoffeeZilla is looking into a lot of scams in the crypto space, and he calls himself the Internet Detective. But CoffeeZilla's format is really someone who goes out and does his own research and then presents it to you from more or less behind the desk, sort of like we do. Now, the interesting thing about Channel 5 is that he does man-on-the-street type journalism where he goes into these places, into the firestorm, and he gets this information. And I think that sort of leads to a different level of understanding and awareness about issues. So today we will be talking about Channel 5 and more specifically his most recent video, the Q Conference video. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. It's a beautiful day here in Colorado, and I'm looking forward to talking about the Channel 5 with Andrew Callahan because he... Uh, he has a different kind of journalism. He doesn't really say much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he he lets them talk, but he does edit it to where you can have all different view of what's happening. And uh, I think it's a very interesting uh, type of journalism. And uh, we may be talking about that today. Yes. Now, I would also like to point out, I'm going to show this, that Channel 5 with Andrew Callahan is the new channel's name. And we can go, I'll just show it real quick. As you can see, Channel 5 with Andrew Callahan has 818,000 subscribers on the strength of seven videos. And you may say, that's a lot. But that's because he was coming from a channel called All Gas, No Breaks, which I believe that he also was the brainchild of. And if you look at some of these videos, uh, he just started posting one year, but they're all putting up 2.5 million, 2.9 million, 4.7 million, 4.8 million. Um, millions and millions of views for each of his videos. Now, I think he ran into some issues because he accepted some funding to help him produce the All Gas, No Breaks, and then he didn't have rights to it. So he sort of separated himself from All Gas, No Breaks. He started Channel 5 without Andrew Callahan, and he's making similar content or um, on the Channel 5 channel that he was on All Gas, No Breaks, but it's important to say he didn't just come out of nowhere. He's been doing this for almost two years now, and he's putting up some serious numbers with his videos. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why he puts up numbers is because they're well done, and they strike a chord, and he's sort of investigating parts of the internet, but also parts of real life that actually exist. Yeah, when he... When he mo Sorry about that. When, uh, when he moved from All Gas, No Breaks to Channel 5 and create his own, uh, he brought most, if not all, of the team with him uh, that generated uh, this. And uh, and so uh, and he, he made, you know, he, he talked about the contracts, but hey, that's history. Mm -hmm. uh, he's moving forward, and he, uh, he has a journalism approach that uh, I think is very different. And I think that uh, he is gaining traction. Uh, because it's very, very interesting, especially the the, the episode of the, the video we're going to be looking at today, mm -hmm. uh, the Q conference. And you hear about what's QAnon, and you'll hear people talk about it. But he goes to the people 
and hear them talk. Now, the when you hear the people talk, you can form your own opinion. But on the other side, uh, you don't sometimes you don't get a lot of the backstory where they come from, uh, what's the implications. Uh, and so you may not get the full picture, but you certainly get a realistic picture uh, of a point in time of who they are. Mm-hmm. Yes. So go, go ahead. So I think I think that uh, quite often is missing in reporting, in news reporting and journalism. So they'll talk about something. He says, oh, OK, I wonder what it was like if I was there. Well, he takes you there mm-hmm. and you know what it's like when you're there. Uh, and so I think this is a, a, a different type of journalism. I, I don't know. I'm not in journalism, but I just get a feeling it's a very different type of journalism. And I think that uh, uh, that compared with uh, other types of approaches uh, is valuable. And this may be well suited for YouTube. Yes, I think that this is kind of the future of uh, one reason we chose both CoffeeZilla and Andrew Callahan, uh, Channel 5 with Andrew Callahan, that's the name of the channel, is... Because I don't believe that they're supported by any large corporate interest. Um, there are individuals out there sort of putting these stories out into the world. And a lot of times it's people's first contact with these stories or first real sort of examination of the fact that he paid the entrance fee to go to the Q conference. And he sat there and he talked with these people and he listened to what they had to say. And then he brought that to his viewers. At the end of the 20-minute video, it's 19 minutes and 49 seconds, you have a different perspective on this movement, this conspiracy theory, than you would if you just listened to an anchor in a stuffed suit, uh, talking head like you and I, telling you what to think about QAnon. Um, and, And I think it's remarkable just sort of the perspective you can gain from listening to people tell their stories. Well, and like like you mentioned before, David, it's kind of what we do here on the Sons of Sequoia podcast. It's just listen, uh, talk, but listen to what the other person and try to understand what they're saying. You don't have to agree with it, but try to understand what they mean, what they're saying, so that you can have a better understanding of what you think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Andrew Callahan does in uh, the Channel Five with Andrew Callahan. Yes, he he listens to he listens to the other people, listens to their side. Whatever it is. And he doesn't judge. He allows them to speak it. Now, you and I, the viewer, can listen to some of these QAnon folks and say, wow, their, their reality is a little out of whack. It's, uh, their version of reality is different than my version of reality. Like, I think that's safe to say for some of these people. Would you not agree? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but the reason why they're so comfortable telling Andrew Callahan about their reality is because he's not judging them. He's not trying to argue with them. He's not trying to say, but don't you realize that if there were a global cabal of uh, Satanist, you know, child abusers, that you wouldn't be the one that had to fight against it? You know, <laughs> there would be stronger forces than this, this pitiful conference. He's not asking those questions. He's letting them tell their story so that we, the viewer, can hear their story. And I think if you start arguing and you start sort of getting down to brass tacks and sort of attacking the logic of some of these QAnon adherents, um, you immediately get them to clam up. Well, you and I have talked about this. When you start challenging them, you're kind of feeding into why they 
are dissidents in the first place. And I think one thing that I know I took away, and maybe you did too, uh, from this particular one on QAnon, is that they they feed on controversy. They they they're encouraged with controversy, and uh, sometimes I get the feeling like it's not that they don't believe what they say; they don't even know what they're saying, uh, but they're saying it because they get a they get a response. Mm-hmm. They they get a rise out of people. They get attention. So all right, I'm going to carry this line as far as I can because look at all the attention I'm. I, I have a microphone on my face, and so, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. And uh, sometimes, if you listen carefully, they'll contradict themselves. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, that's not the point. The point is not that. The point is, am I getting attention? Yes. And so, it's so you wouldn't get that unless you actually heard them talk and go on and on and on, like Andrew Callahan, no judgment. Just go ahead. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And we've seen we've seen other videos where... The uh, people would ask him and ask Andrew, what do you think? What do you think? He just smiles and holds the microphone in front of their face. He's uh, fantastic at not engaging when it's not the appropriate time to engage. And then they continue on with their their line. So you hear what they actually think. Mm -hmm. Now... I think that uh, we discussed this last night. We can get into the video a little bit. I don't. I don't want to play the video. I would encourage people to go to Channel Five with Andrew Callahan uh, site on YouTube and check out. I mean, you can see it here uh, and check out the video yourself. Because I mean, we'll spoil it more or less, but the editing, the pacing, the way that he puts it all together, um, I think it's definitely worthy of a watch. So I would encourage you all to watch it now. I just want to start real quick, and I'll just turn off the sound, um, with this lady. Now, in all the media I've seen about QAnon, it's about how they're out of whack, they're crazy, and, and they're a problem. They're a problem because they believe something that's not true, and it's causing them to take action. But this lady, Judy, mother, I think this was the first time that I saw someone speak and I had a fair amount of pity for for the person. And I think it's interesting that Andrew Callahan starts with her story because you feel sad for her. She's sort of locked up in this conspiracy theory and she says she's lost her family. She's lost her friends. And and instead of asking her, like, well, why do you believe this? Don't, don't you think that it's preposterous to believe in this conspiracy theory? He says, who did you lose? And she says, oh, I lost, you know... Uh, family and friends like well who do you miss most of the people that you've lost and she says she misses her little sister because they used to get together and they'd have coffee or they have wine and now she won't even talk to me anymore and and that's sad it's it's sad so you see that this stuff it has an effect on the people that believe it too and instead of being angry um at the people that believe this stuff you you're able to summon some pity for them you know and I don't think that other journalistic outlets are doing that. You know, he, instead of reporting a story, I think he actually tells a story. But he tells their story from them. I, I, it's, it's interesting. And also listening to Judy as she talks, you know, you, I, I, and me, I say, how did she get there? How did she, how did she do that? You know, how did she get to where she was? And then what does she actually believe? Yeah. And then the rest of it continued on. And um, 
And then we start. Yeah, we to, started. Yeah, we start to meet our cast of characters, and he conducted so many interviews. But you get an interesting um, breadth of characters. We get this guy, muscle bound guy, and he's got uh, the Muscle Something podcast. I don't really want to sort of promote his podcast on ours, but he's got a podcast, and he talks about Q and on issues. He was the one that said, "I don't think Hitler was all that bad." So he went there right away. It's like, oh my god, okay. Um, let's see who are some of the other people. Um, this is we have a beard guy, and all of these people are extraordinarily proud. And then we have former YouTuber Red Pill. I don't want to even say his name. Why bother to say his name uh, and amplify his signal? And that's that's an interesting criticism. Do you think by sort of these people that are micro influencers in the QAnon space, by Andrew Callahan, who has a relatively large YouTube channel, going out there, allowing them to talk, and then making a video where they get a million views, do you think he's amplifying their signal? I think there's criticism on that. There's criticism to Andrew that he is giving them a voice, mm-hmm. and uh, but the voice he's given them uh, is going to be there anyway. And so, but he's he's letting them tell their stories so people can judge uh, on their own basis. So yes. there are there are criticisms along those lines, David. Yes. Okay. Now I would also say, and I was going to say something, but really it's sort of where you stand initially becomes what you think they're doing. Like if you're a adherent to this guy's content, I guess he was a YouTuber that had three hundred thousand subscribers. He pushed these conspiracy theories in YouTube. Uh, killed his channel. And a lot of these people had the same thing. I've lost three Facebooks. You know, I lost my Twitter. I lost this. Why? Because I was pushing misinformation or, you know, according to them, information that they don't want you to hear. Um, but I wonder, oh, where was I going with this? <laughs> I had something. Um, well, I, well, one thing that I'm thinking of is that they, they kept talking about uh, I was censored. They wouldn't let me. They they pulled my my Facebook. They pulled my Twitter. They pulled my Instagram. They pulled my YouTube. They pulled all this stuff because it that they're censoring me. Censoring it says the people shouldn't be censored. And then they had a uh, a news channel guy come. Yeah, from the Daily Beast, a journalist near the end, and he wanted to report on them. And they 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 wouldn't let him. They ran him off. They the, ran. The property. Yeah. So they I guess they sort of. Censored him. They censored him. So uh, they understand when someone says something you don't want to hear, you might be politely asked to leave or not so politely asked to leave. And that's what's happening to these people on social media. And that's what they're doing to reporters that come to their conference. And I guess I remember what my point was. Where you stand initially sort of makes you feel like Andrew. I, I ascribe good motives to Andrew Callahan. He wants to just show you this world. And he did. I mean, I saw more of this world than I ever have in this video. But because I'm skeptical of the conspiracy theory, I mean, and by skeptical, I mean extraordinarily skeptical. <laughs> There's very little you could say to make me um, have any sympathy for adherence to this conspiracy theory. I think what he's doing is using this microphone as a shovel. He's given these people a shovel and he's allowing them to dig their own grave with it. Um, now if you were an adherent to this conspiracy theory you may say he's shedding light on the truth he's going to this conference 
and he's letting these people speak their truth, and it is a truth, according to them, and according to me, and good for him for being one of the few people to go there and ask questions. Like, look at this old, look at this lady, this older lady. She was willing to give up her family. Like, if it wasn't so important, why would she do that? You know, and she says, once you know the truth, you can't turn back. And the sad thing is that her version of the truth is my version. When I see her version of the truth, I look at it as nonsense, and she's throwing her life away for nonsense. But in her eyes, she's doing something magnificent. But in journalism, uh, they take down his. They've taken down some of his his uh, YouTube, YouTube channels, but then they reinstate it. But the point is, they're saying he's spreading misinformation, just like you're saying. But he's allowing the people to spread it. So he's not spreading it. He's allowing them to talk. And so a question arises. Uh, what is journalism again? Let's go back to journalism. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I, I think that's wrong, so I'm not going to report it. I think that's right, so I'm going to report it. But then he's not saying it's right or wrong. He's saying this is what they're saying. And so do you do you report what other people are saying? Or do you do you make a judgment of whether it's right or not to report it? I don't know. I It, it, it was what Andrew does and what I hear on the news so there's some differences there that I find fascinating. And I think Andrew's doing a really good job revealing things uh, from these people that we don't hear. Mm -hmm. And these people are real. And they're not just a few people. There's quite a few of these people out around across the nation. Yeah. And some of them are in Congress. <laughs> it's true. I mean, some of them are leading our country. And so should we know how they think? Whether it's right or wrong, yeah, because some of them are making laws up there in Congress in, in uh, Washington. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of people. Now, It's I think the movement is dying, but I would say if it's 1% of Americans, it's still 3 million people. If it's 0.1% of Americans, it's still 300,000 people. If it's 0.01% of Americans, it's still 30,000 people. It's still enough to fill a good-sized baseball stadium. Uh, and it's an it's enough to storm the Capitol on January 6th. Yeah, it's true. Um, so I will point out, and I think that this is an important thing to point out. He is very good at interviewing, but this guy, I don't have his name. And I, I don't really care to even say their names, That's but right. but uh, he wrote a book on woke culture, woke culture, of course, the culture wars that have become sort of a conservative focal point after the loss of Trump in the 2020 election, they focused on these culture wars, like the Dr. Seuss Foundation said, you know, Dr. Seuss wrote some books that had some harmful stereotypes. Now at the time, they weren't as harmful, but judging through today's lens, they seemed to be uh, insensitive. Like that, that level of insensitivity was more permissible back in the day. Nowadays, we don't feel it's as permissible. We're gonna stop publishing those books. Well. You know, the, the talking point is they're canceling Dr. Seuss. But really, the decision was made by Dr. Seuss's own publishing company to stop publishing those books. Um, but this guy starts talking about Mr. Potato Head, said they're no longer going to be calling him Mr. He's going to be gender fluid. You can make him a Mr. or a Mrs. Potato Head with the add-ons. That became uh, the biggest issue in the world. Then, of course, uh, Aunt Jemima. So this guy starts talking about cancel culture and woke culture. And he starts talking about all these things. And for 
one of the few times you can see Andrew Callahan almost break. Um, so I'll play. I won't play the sound. You can watch the video with sound yourself, but we'll we'll just see it on screen here. There he is. He, uh, if you're not watching, he's realizing that this guy is talking about Aunt Jemima, Mr. Potato Head, and Dr. Seuss, and he almost laughs. He cringes, and, and he, he hides his face. <laughs> He hides his face from the interviewee because uh, the guy was sort of speaking about Aunt Jemima and Mr. Potato Head in, in sort of masked terms. And then Andrew Callahan realized what he was talking about, and he thought it was funny. And so he hides his face so the interviewee doesn't see that he sort of uh, finds it amusing. And I think that's to his credit. You know, if this guy feels like he's being laughed at, he might stop being as open with his candor, you know. He might not share his his true thoughts, if you know what I mean. But Andrew didn't challenge him. He let him speak his piece. Mm -hmm. Let him tell his story. Let him tell him, because he's there to find out what these people are saying, what they're what they what they're talking about. Yeah, and what they mean, and try to understand them. You don't have to agree with them, but understand what they're saying to know how to deal with them and how to formal formulate your own uh, either knowledge or how to respond. Mm -hmm. How can you respond to people if you don't know how they think? Yeah. You know, how, how can how can you really uh, know how to deal with an issue if you don't understand the issue? How can you deal with a group of people if you don't understand the group of people? Yes. Now, I think that that leads into an important discussion. Um, what do you understand about this movement from Andrew Callahan's video that you didn't understand before. That's a good point, because I've been listening to it and tuning in over to last year. Uh, that's a good question. You put me on the spot there, David. I have to th think about everything that he, he went through. Actually, maybe at the very beginning with the lady. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, actually... You said you called her uh, an old lady, but to me, she's not that old. <laughs> uh, this nice lady, uh, how much they abandon their family for this. I didn't realize. And there's a young person. There she is. Yeah. Uh, this pretty lady. And she abandoned her family. I guess I didn't realize that there's so many people uh, that did that. Mm -hmm. that, that's one thing I didn't realize how how if you're going to start if you're going to start separating families if if all your loved ones that you grew up with and everybody disagrees with you on these issues then if everybody's wrong but you maybe you need to take a look at yourself and maybe you're the one that's wrong <laughs> yeah and uh, but maybe that's one thing I learned now I, I didn't know before I think, you know, that that's a separate conversation of like if someone in your family is an adherent to this and you feel like they're throwing away their lives for a lie, what's the best way to go about trying to deprogram them? I mean, it makes you think about that. Now, I'll tell you what I took from it. This lady, of course, this is a perspective I didn't have. There's people that are pitiable that have sort of lost relationships with their family and friends because they chose this. And I feel like and this is. Maybe I'm just sort of taking, cribbing from the words of the journalist who gets kicked out. Um, what's his name? 
this guy, and I, uh, he's a Daily Beast journalist, um, Will Sommer. He's been covering the movement, and um, but this guy, I'm, I'm showing him on screen, and he does say, you know, a lot of these people, they're just people that have been hoodwinked. Now, the... The organizers of the events that charge $3,000 to get into these conferences, they're just in it for the profit. They see a group of people that believe something so fervently that if you organize a conference, there's a profit motive in there. Now, but some of these other people, they're just caught up in it. And really, they are pitiable. You, you, you should feel sad for them because, and then this is this guy's perspective. And so I'm sort of cribbing from his perspective because he's the legitimate journalist that gets chased off, and maybe I'm more likely to believe him than, than these QAnon journalists. But he says, you're told that there's this grave evil in the world, and the only people that can stop it are Donald Trump and you. And then the way that you stop it is by getting online and boosting the signal of this movement. And you say, well, if that's all I have to do to make a difference in the world, like, you find some sense of importance. And then you sort of think about that in context with all of these people that he interviewed. Um, you know, muscle-bound guy, uh, beard guy, uh, so, so all of these people. And I think a lot of their focus on, I've had my Facebook taken down, I've had my Twitter taken down is they were getting a lot of positive feedback, like you said, a lot of attention from posting this, and they wanted to feel like they were making a difference in the world. And I think that in their work-a-day lives, they weren't getting that sort of engagement on social media, but when they sort of start pushing this conspiracy theory, they, they are getting that traction. They are getting that engagement. They're seeing their numbers grow in terms of sub subscribers and followers. Um, and... It's a rush. It's like a drug. So some of these lower level people, I do feel like there's a feedback loop in there. And a lot of it is a sense of belonging, like with any other sort of cult-like following. But another is, you know, in their lives, they were never recognized for anything. And by sort of being an adherent and a follower of this conspiracy theory, they're finally being recognized as someone of importance, someone that has something to say. Someone, when they speak, people listen. And that's empowering. And it's, it's a shame that they have to use uh, conspiracy theory to sort of achieve that goal. But that's what they're doing, at, at least from my perspective. I, I think all of those things are true, David. And I think you're absolutely right. And I agree with you. I think, I think you can identify different types of people. One is people that have a need to belong. They belong to something. The other is they have a need to be recognized and they want to be say things that are that are ridiculous that are that they will be recognized. The other people have a need for power. They want to have power over people. And so once they have people coming to them, they they they, they have power. They're they're power hungry. And this is a way to do it. And other people have a monetary. They want to make money off of these people. And I think there's all different kind of people going on here. And I think one person said that, that I, it's really true. I think everyone agrees with this. One reason why all of this is 
amplified is because of the internet. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like the internet is bad. It's that how is the internet being used? And it's revealing uh, needs within our society, within our global society. It's uh, it's revealing needs that we have uh, socially, how we need to connect with each other. We can't disconnect. We need to connect with each other because if we're disconnected, then we'll have to find the need to connect. And that need to connect sometimes are some ridiculous kinds of uh, issues that that are harmful. Mm -hmm. So I guess, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. If you can bring, whatever, a thousand people, how many people do you think are at the conference? 300? That sounds about right. Okay. So 300 people, let's say. And the conference was $3,000. That's nearly a million dollars in revenue. Um, and so you can sort of see the profit motive of the organizers to do stuff like this. There's a million dollars in, in cash sitting on the table just to throw a conference like this. Now, like you're saying... Maybe one thing this exposes is what if you could use those same tools, those tools of fellowship, the tools of people sort of feeling like they had a voice to have them engage in perhaps more noble pursuits. And you could say, you know, whether you're an environmentalist, have them try to save the whales or have them try to save the forest. Or if you're, um, you know, uh, you want to end childhood poverty, you know, have them sort of donate money to communities where food banks are in, in order. And you do that and you sort of, uh, I don't know. You, do you see what I'm saying? How to use the tools <laughs> that are allowing QAnon to grow to allow things that are legitimate and helpful to the world to grow. Yeah. And I think uh, that uh, these kinds of things that are going on, these conspiracy theories and QAnon and and everything, that I've, I'm saying that it uh, it's because of the Internet. But maybe the Internet has revealed the uh, lack of ability to bring people together, like in a family, mm-hmm. uh, in a society, in a community, to where be be engaged and be connected with the people around you and your neighbor, uh, and just have have a community. Their community is on the the uh, an internet. Mm-hmm. That's their community. And I think it's, it's not with it's, it's not with people. It's with community. It's with images on on the on the internet. It's fascinating, though, to me, like, I don't know who, I mean, I think anyone could be involved in a cult or a conspiracy theory, but some of these people are the type of people who would trade recognition digitally for their relationships with their families. And it sort of leads me to believe that maybe their relationships with their families weren't all that strong to begin with. Um, and so that's, that's my that, point. That's kind that's of sad. Point. That's kind of sad as well. Uh, um if, you know, likes and follows are more of a boost than, uh, you know, spending time with your parents or your children or your spouse or, you know, or your brothers and sisters, it's, um, it, I, I find it fascinating. It's a fascinating study in psychology. It's a fascinating study in how a new technology, namely the Internet, is causing groups like this to crop up because I think that there's people like this everywhere. The Internet gave them a tool to get together. And this conference would just go completely under the radar to you and me if people like Andrew Callahan didn't go there and cover it. 
We wouldn't right. even have known that there was a Q conference. Um, Would you ever go to a conference like that, David? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But I wouldn't either. But I'm thinking, like, if someone gave me free tickets, I would love to go just to see and try to have conversations with people. I think it would be fascinating. Um, I, I just to sort of try to learn what's going on. I I would I'll go just about anywhere post COVID. I mean, I guess we're not post COVID, but I'm a fully vaccinated. And we've talked about this on the show. I mean, we were the the first people to get vaccinated, and had no hesitancy about it, and I feel like it allows me more freedom. So I think prior to the pandemic where there were things that I wouldn't have done, like go to a conference like this, I wouldn't pay for a conference like this. But if you gave me free tickets and you said, do you want to go check this out? I would say like, I'd like to kind of see what it's about because <laughs> um, you're not going to see something like that in your everyday life. Now, not as a adherent to the conspiracy theory, but more as just a curious bystander, I would go to something like this, but I would never pay for it. Um, I do think it's interesting to expose these sort of subcultures, these worlds, through journalism and allow these people to tell their own stories. Now, before we move on, I will say he was doing an interview and one of his fans came up and said, hey, there's these ladies down the street. I'm playing the tape now. And they believe that Prince was murdered because he was about to expose um, Hillary Clinton. And so they run... And they do this sequence where they're running. I don't know if it's put together. And they find these ladies. And they're singing a Prince song. They're singing Seven by Prince. And these ladies are something else. Would you not agree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, don't know if they, I don't know if they're affiliated with the conference or they're just adjacent to the conference, but they're too out there for the conference. But the lady says she gets her news from God. She doesn't look at the Internet. She doesn't read newspapers. She doesn't listen to the radio. She doesn't read books. And I'm like, you don't say. (laughs) But they have, uh, we support the real president, Donald Trump banner. The lady, the African-American lady, she's holding a giant Q sign in the next scene. It's very funny. Um, I, I, I don't really need to show. She's holding a sign that says Q. And she says, we are not affiliated with Q. Let me see. Um, Oh, that was great! Yeah, there it is, and they do yeah. the they do the zoom in. Like, there's subtle editing in this, you know. So uh-huh. I'll play the tape back. I won't play the audio, just. But uh, she's doing the interview with this lady. She's talking about how she gets all of her news from God. And then this lady right here, while holding this giant sign that says "Q and Tyranny dot online," she says, "We are not affiliated with the QAnon movement." I'll actually unmute it and play it for the broadcast. You won't be able to hear it just because that's an extra step for me. But uh, the Q movement, yeah. we al- constantly at ninety-nine to hundred percent. We're not part of the Q movement. We align with some of uh, the things. She says, "We're not part of the Q movement." That's her quote. While holding a giant sign that says "Q," and uh, it's it's fascinating. Uh, how could you? summon that level of cognitive dissonance, but these people manage, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's just having her tell her story. And I guess in her mind, she's not part of a Q movement. She's just holding a giant sign that says Q. In her mind, yep. And he lets her tell her story. He lets her, oh, he lets them do their singing. They had a song to sing. Yep. Uh, and they had a message and uh, 
they got their truth from God. Mm-hmm. I love I love that part. I go, oh my goodness. Well, uh, Prince was going to expose Hillary Clinton, so they, the Clintons murdered Prince, according to them. Not to me. Not according to me, according to them. And then this lady, this African-American lady, it's she's singing uh, In the End by Linkin Park. And she says, Chester Bennington, is that the guy's name? And Chris Cornell, two famous rock and roll singers. They were both murdered because they were going to expose the dark underbelly of this world. And I, I don't know if that's a conspiracy theory thing. I'm sure some conspiracy theory expert could tell us. Yeah, if someone dies unexpectedly before their time, use them as fodder in your conspiracy theory because they're not there to disclaim any of your wild assertions. It's true. It's true. So I think we've covered most of the bases. Um, yeah, yeah, on the uh, yeah, but on the video, the video was very interesting. Uh, I think to me when I when I first back when I was watching all gas no brakes, go that's interesting. Yeah, I never knew that. I never heard that. Uh, and it's it's a new type of journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, the more I thought about it, it says it, there's good parts and there's bad parts. The good part is you actually hear what these people are saying. Like we say, listen to them and try to understand what the other person is saying. That's what we always say here. And uh, but on the other on the other hand, um, it, it could be dangerous because uh, there is no con. It is their context. It's not in a larger context. Mm-hmm. So here's what God says. Oh, that must be what God says. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's a, there's a. There's a much bigger uh, body of knowledge that you need to kind of consider, not just that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but hey, that's what real life is about: is is don't get stuck in one in one place. Uh, listen as much, listen more than you talk, and try to understand what other people are saying. So, I guess there's two things we have to focus on because I was scrubbing through the video. Um, I think you're right. Uh, but also, I think that Andrew Callahan is coming from an outsider's perspective, so it's necessarily skeptical. I think if you were inundated in the movement, you would be getting stuff directly from these websites and these message boards, whereas you wouldn't really be an entrant into the movement because of Andrew Callahan's journalism. But there's two things I want to discuss, and I want to save the last one for last, which is... Um, the section with the caterers, because I want you to share your take on it. Because I asked you last night, and I thought that you had a really good take on it. But before we get into that, I think we need to talk about how the former National Security Advisor to the President of the United States was at the QAnon conference, how he took the oath, the QAnon oath, and posted it on the internet. And then when Andrew Callahan asked him, um, he said, I don't know anything about QAnon. Even though... uh, the person that he was on stage with was wearing a giant Q on the back of her leather vest, and he's taken the Q in on oath. Um, so these these politicians and these higher level people, they're being relatively cagey, right, with their their association with the movement. And then of course he ends. Uh, let uh, he ends, and I'll play this. I'll actually play it with sound too. I want to know why. Why. What happened in Minamar can't happen here. No reason. No reason. Why? 
reason. I mean, it should have no reason. So, kind of- so for those who don't know, the guy asked Michael Flynn, I want to know why what happened in Myanmar can't happen here. And the former, and if you don't know what happened in Myanmar, the military overthrew the democratically elected government. They deposed Aung San Suu Kyi from office, and they formed a de facto military dictatorship. Um, and so the former national security advisor to the president of the United States at a QAnon conference said, there's no reason why what happened in Myanmar couldn't happen here. It should happen here. And now that's a, that's a pretty bold statement. If, if you're asking me for my opinion, I think that's a bold statement. What do you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, I, it's hard, it's hard to, to believe that someone uh, who sits in our government, who understands that it's for the people, it's for all the people, and it's we the people, and they want a military to overthrow a government and have a dictatorship. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't wrap my head around that. I can't understand that. Do you think the fact that General Flynn, the former national security advisor, had to receive a pardon from Donald Trump, and a pardon is not an exoneration, it's an admission of guilt and an alleviation of punishment? Do you think that he's so burned in terms of his reputation that saying things like that, despite being a former general, um, despite being the former national security advisor to the president of the United States, Saying things like that is just part of his grift to make money. I, <clears throat> it's very possible. Where, that where he's at now, I think it's possible that someone could move to that direction. Be- uh, yeah, it's possible because he's lost his foreign business ties for failure to declare them. Uh, he right. lost his job, and you know whatever he was going to do in retirement sort of got complicated by the fact that he became a criminal. And he had to be pardoned by the president. So now this is what he does as his job. And I think it's sad because I think we often think of our military men from, you know, private first class to four-star general as having honor in this country. And he's a man that rose to the rank of general. And and I'm not sure that that's true of him at this point. Duty and honor. And none of those he demonstrated on that podium. Uh, but then sometimes the actual character of a person does not come out when you have safeguards, safeguards within a society, safeguards within the military, and you are going to perform according uh, to the honor and duty within the organization but it doesn't necessarily match your character. Mm-hmm. And you take away those safeguards, you take away that discipline, you take away the the, the duty and honor of the collegiality that you have within the military, you take that away, and then what is left bare is the character. And sometimes that character is not something that, that you would want for, that you, would not be I'm not proud of yes um, I think that's that's well said it's just the military itself and its strictures sort of lead people to be honorable that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone they are. or or they are. 
if someone was a general and then they're not anymore and they can go out into the world and make business deals and sort of be agents for a foreign government and not declare it. And uh, that doesn't mean that no one that ever served in the military would ever do that because we saw that General Flynn chose to do that, you know? Uh, true. Now, true. I think we need to wrap up with the caterers. Okay. <laughs> so near the end of the video, before that final scene with General Flynn, and I think I'll play this without sound just because the sound, I, I want people to go watch the, the Channel 5 video if they're watching this, obviously. But the caterers at the end, it's interesting. They're, they're getting all these perspectives from all these people. And then they do this montage of these people eating, you know, grabbing food, pouring gravy um, on their chicken fried steaks and their mashed potatoes. That looks good. And he says, the caterers. Okay. The caterers. Now, these caterers. Actually, I will play the sound, okay? Okay. You won't hear it, but I'll play it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're uh, actually feeding people. What do you think he was trying to say? That's classified. She has a big butt. Who? His mom. It's, it's not that good. I mean, it's like shaped nicely, but it's not. So, uh, as you can see, these, these are boys. And they're acting like boys. And they're here feeding everyone at the QAnon conference, but they're a million miles away from being QAnon adherents. They just got hired to do a job, and they're there. And I said to you at the end of the video, what do you think the reason was for including the caterers? And they're these sophomoric, childish boys. And I said, I think it's to show that in America, there's all types of people. Even at the QAnon conference, there's these boys, and they're just behaving like boys. But then you had a very good point. Do you want to share your take on why the caterers, why you think Andrew Callahan may have included the caterers near the end of this video? Well, I just, I, I, at first I said, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's a, a journalistic device within telling the story. But then when I thought about that, I go, yeah, what would be the purpose? Well, maybe they're sophomoric, ridiculous. Your mom has a big butt. What are you talking about? And it, they start going back and forth and getting a rise out of each other. That's pretty much the same thing that all these adults are doing at their level. <laughs> it was the same thing. Yeah, I think so. Among when, their... you're, when you're when you're a teenager, when you're you're a teenager, you're silly. And when you're an adult, you're ridiculous. Yeah, and I and think what, what do we say? What 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 are what, the words we used yesterday? What you said yesterday was I think he may have included the, the teenage boys. Because what they had to say was no more or less intelligent than what anyone else in the video had to say. Yeah, that's how I say it, yeah. And I think that's an extraordinarily good point. And I think your point also that what they're doing among their own little clique, because there's just four of them, not a whole conference worth, is sort of what these adherents to this conspiracy theory do. They're saying the most outrageous thing they can to sort of get the biggest rise out of people that are in their, their social in-group. And so either he just put them in because they were goofing around and he got some funny footage, or he was trying to make a point similar to that when he included the caterers in his Q conference video. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. Because they were, they were just 
joking with each other. If if he hadn't called us, if he hadn't said, uh, uh, that's what I remember. He says, your mom has a big butt. What are you talking about? If he hadn't said that, says, oh, yeah, your, your mom is a nice lady. It would have died right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but because he said, oh, your mom is a big butt. What do you mean? Okay, now we have something going. Yeah. Now I have attention. Now we have dialogue here. Now you're paying attention to me. And I said, that's not that much different than the ridiculous thing that they're saying in the whole video. Mm-hmm. How God speaks to me, you know, or this... Hillary Clinton you know. eats children. Yeah, yeah. God speaks what? directly to me. Hillary Clinton eats children. Your mama has a big butt. The intelligence of all three of those uh, statements are roughly the same. Yeah. So I think that was a good point. And I do think, I also think that, um, this is just my opinion, that Andrew Callahan and his team may have included the caterers just as a bit of comic relief at the end. That probably would happen, yeah. So but... like with the pacing of the video, it's like you get a couple chuckles out of these kids being being kids. But I think of the journalism. I think of, well, how would that fit in a journalistic kind of, it kind of fit. Mm-hmm. It fit because they were there. They yeah. were part of this. They were there, Okay. And uh, so how to fit? Well, compare it with the rest of it. It says, yeah, it's about the same. Yeah. <laughs> same level of intelligence, same level of com- comments. And yeah, it's about the same. And the, the way that they achieve their goals is the same. Say the most outrageous thing to get a rise out of someone and you've succeeded. Yes. You know, say yes. something to end the conversation that's realistic and you don't get any any sort of feel good reaction out of that. You don't get any reaction and therefore it's not fun. Yeah. So the the proof is in the pudding and the pudding is the reaction that you can get out of someone. And that may be what's driving a lot of these people to believe what they believe and say what they say online. Yeah. But the danger is that uh, what they're saying is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Your mother has a big butt is not dangerous. <laughs> It could be dangerous if you say it to the wrong person in the wrong neighborhood. To you. <laughs> but storming the Capitol mm-hmm. and having an overthrow of our government and all of a sudden have a, dict- a military dictatorship that our national security advisor, former national security advisor says that should happen here. That's dangerous. It is. And people can and will get hurt and people did get killed. Mm-hmm. People did die. So, so when you're a child, you can be ridiculous, but you need to grow up. Mm-hmm. You need to grow up. You have to listen to people. Try to understand what they're saying. But actually, be careful. Yeah. Because you have responsibility as an adult. Yes. Well, I mean, I think that covers the video, and I think that's a good way to wrap it up. That I, I like to end with the... The boys being boys, but I think that you tying it back into, you know, when you're adult, things have consequences. You can be a child when you're a child, but when you're adult, maybe you should grow up. And that's just your fatherly wisdom to end the program, don't you think? Mm-hmm. And it's not like groundbreaking. What you're saying is not revolutionary, but I think it's no. true. There's a lot of truth to it. Almost every parent in the world would say that to their children. Mm-hmm. When you grow up, be careful, think, 
you know, what you say and what you do, the actions you take have consequences. And uh, be good. Don't don't tear down. Don't hurt people. Do something positive. Uh, be be a person of uh, that's part of the solution, not part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, every parent all all over all over the world and every country would say the same thing to their children. And I think we need to start saying that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a very good place to end it. Once again, I would like to say to anyone who's interested, today we've been covering Channel 5 with Andrew Callahan. It's a YouTube channel and their uh, video entitled Q Conference. I respect and appreciate the work that Andrew Callahan and his team put into their videos. And I would encourage you all to check them out. I'm going to go into our sign-off phase and say that this has been the Sons of Sequoia podcast. We're broadcasting live on YouTube Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 9 a.m., and we're available wherever you get your podcasts. Is there anything you'd like to say as I play the outro music? Oh, Sons of Sequoia wants to tell you, be sure to keep on talking, but listen more than you talk, and try to understand what the other person is saying. Bye, everybody. Bye.